Welcome to your Calm Parenting Toolbox, the podcast for parents who want to get the most out of their kids and themselves. Here's your host, parenting coach, Heather Lindsay. Hello and welcome to this next episode of the Calm Parenting Toolbox. My name is Heather Lindsay and I'm honoured to be here and bring you this episode where I'll share with you how you can use your child's behaviour as a communication tool to help you improve their behaviour, reduce your stress levels and create that calmer family environment. All children will act up. They will yell, they'll scream, they'll throw tantrums, back chat, whinge, whine, fight with their siblings, lie, not listen. The list can go on and on. And as a parent, managing challenging child behaviour can be hard at the best of times, let alone when we're already feeling frustrated, stressed and reaching the end of our sanity. When life is stressful with our kids, we as mums aren't happy, you know, and when we're not happy, we don't enjoy our life. And when we aren't happy and we don't enjoy our life, we aren't the best mum that we can be. And ultimately, we suffer, our kids suffer, and the whole family suffers. When we are at a high level of stress because of our child's behaviour, then it's important to do whatever we can do to improve it for the benefit of everybody. Now, this doesn't mean punishing the negative behaviour. Instead, it means solving the cause. It's looking at the why behind how our child is acting and addressing that first. Otherwise, responding to their actions is really just like putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. Now, all behavior problems are emotional problems because whatever the behavior we are struggling with our child, it's always a reflection of how our child is feeling at that moment in time. So when we help a child become aware of their feelings and manage them in a healthy and socially acceptable way, aka not throwing a massive tantrum, storming off and slamming the door, then this actually teaches the essential skill of emotional regulation. It supports healthy and social emotional development and well-being. It also helps to reduce the chance of negative behavior happening again in the future because our child will know how to manage their emotions in response to a situation. There are six basic emotional categories that we can fit our child's behavior into. So first we have the angry child. And anger really is a secondary emotion. In order for our child to feel angry, they have to be feeling negatively about something that has happened, e.g. a toy has been taken off them, or perhaps they're worried about something that is going to be happening in the future. And anger is often a mask when a child feels uncomfortable, showing the underlying feeling. You know, they could be feeling scared, hurt, vulnerable, sad, lonely, or ashamed. And if they aren't comfortable or aren't able to manage these emotions, then they act out with aggressive behaviors. So they yell, they hit, they bite, they slam doors, stomping feet, all of that. We then have the stressed or worried child. Now, many kids experience stress, worry, and anxiety, mainly because they're unable to understand what's happening around them 
or will be happening in the future. You know, children are rarely able to look at a situation objectively and without a caregiver present to help them talk through the situation and explore possible and realistic outcomes, then the stress and anxiety can impact their emotional well-being, their growth and their development. The stressed or worried child may either become withdrawn and freeze or sometimes they can act out with anger behaviours including verbal and physical aggression. So it's really important to get clear on what a stressed or worried child is actually concerned about. We then have the excessively good child. And so a child that is perfect is often struggling. You know, the challenging behavior that we face from our kids, while very frustrating, is a normal part of their development. When a child never acts out, it's a sign that something deeper is going on. You know, the excessively good child is often overly compliant in order to manage their anxieties, their fears and their emotions. You know, they have that need to be perfect, either to receive praise and to live up to expectations or in order to feel like they are safe. So while it's great to say, oh, my child's behavior is perfect, it's also uh, should be a highlight that oh, something else is going on as well. So we also have the sad child. Now, sadness is a normal and healthy emotional response to an upsetting event, whether you're a child or an adult. You know, we all feel sad. However, when sadness becomes prolonged, it's often a reflection of uh, the inability of our child to talk about their emotions and to feel accepted for having them. You know, they don't feel like they are in a safe place or with safe caregivers to be emotionally vulnerable. And we do have the fearful or clingy child. And now we all know that separation anxiety is a normal part of child development. Our children hold on to us as a place of safety with the understanding of the concept that mummy always comes back. But that concept is something that comes with time and maturity. You know, being clingy or fearful of a parent leaving can become problematic when it's ongoing despite consistency in routine and reassurance. Separation anxiety that happens as a regressive behavior can be really frustrating for parents to manage, especially if prior to this, a child has previously not had any trouble with us leaving. So it's really important to get behind the anxiety of why our child is worried that we're leaving. Then we finally have the hyperactive child. Now, when we look at the seemingly hyperactive child, we also must look at the difference between hypervigilance and hyperactivity. So hyperactivity related to ADD or ADHD is, you know, that chronic behavioral condition, which is really related to brain structure, function and genetic conditions hyperactivity that is actually reflective of a state of being hypervigilant however is related to high levels of stress so the hypervigilant child can't focus or sit still because they're always on high alert for danger they need to reach a state of internal calm and feel externally safe in order for their behavior to settle 
And it's really important to always assess your child's behavior within the context of their developmental stage. So whenever we are considering why our child is acting in a particular manner, we must always consider their developmental stage. What we can expect from a toddler is very different to an eight-year-old or to a teenager. And there are five questions that we can ask ourselves in relation to our child's behavior and developmental stage. So they are, first, one, can my child understand what is happening to him? Two, does my child understand emotions and can they label how they're feeling? Three, is my child able to talk about how they're feeling? Four, does my child need my help in regulating their emotions? And finally, five, does my child feel safe in this moment to talk about their emotions and when we respond to our child's behavior problem first by considering their feelings in a developmental context we support that social and emotional well-being because we aren't putting unrealistic expectations upon them you know combined with caring nurturing responsive stable and supportive relationship with their parent our child really does thrive in their emotional development Because like I've said, and I will always keep saying, when our children have a secure base with their parents and have that social and emotional well-being, they're able to explore, grow and learn. They're able to form healthy friendships and engage in the community and family unit. They have positive mental health and develop the essential life skill of emotional regulation. So we all want this for our children, but the ultimate question is then how do we do it? It's all wonderful to discuss the theory, but how do we put it into practice? And so this is where the parenting detective process comes in. So when we are trying to work out what our child is feeling, we have to put a detective hat on. Now, as parents, particularly mothers who are primary caregivers, but not always, of course, we are generally the expert on our child. We know them better than they know themselves. And by using this knowledge and our wisdom, we can help guide our child to work out what they're feeling and improve their behavior and those emotional regulation skills. So first of all, we consider the emotion and their level of understanding. So put yourself in your child's place. You know, can they understand what is happening to them and how they are feeling? Are they capable of managing this situation or do they need your support? Secondly, hold space for them. Now, it's really important to remember that emotions are healthy. It's the behavior that we are hoping to address. Holding space for our child means that we're willing to walk alongside them in their emotional state. You know, we park our judgments and how we think they should be feeling about the situation and instead we really listen with compassion and empathy. You know, our children need to be reassured that we are there for them and we offer that unconditional support regardless of how they are feeling. So thirdly, we need to be sensitive. You know, expressing emotions can be hard for adults, let alone for children. So we really need to avoid telling our child that he or she shouldn't be feeling in a particular way because this only reduces the chance that they will be open and vulnerable with us again in the future. 
So instead we talk about what's happened, you know, we might suggest and name emotions that we can guess or know that they are experiencing. You know, we listen and we talk to them about why we feel emotions and what we do with emotions when we feel them. And finally, it's really important to be a safe place. Now, it is critical that when we want to encourage our children to express their emotions, that we remain calm. You know, taking a few deep breaths before responding to our child can make all the difference between staying calm or reacting with anger and frustration. After all, a child who is met with anger, yelling or being dismissed by a parent is not going to learn A, how to have calm behavior or B, motivated to come to that parent if they have problems again in the future. So what about discipline in this whole process? And whenever we talk about behavior, the subject of discipline always comes up. And it really is essential to remember that the root of the word discipline is to teach. It does not mean that we are punishing a child. Discipline helps our child learn from what has happened so that it doesn't happen again in the future. It's not a one-time event. You know, our children need to be taught the same lesson multiple times in order for them to really understand and take on board the learnings that we're teaching them. And the beneficial part of regular challenging behavior, although incredibly frustrating, is that it actually provides us with the opportunity to teach a lesson frequently. So when we find ourselves, you know, facing that challenging behavior from our child and we want to think, oh no, why are you throwing another tantrum or oh my gosh, you're fighting again. We need to remind ourselves that this is an opportunity to teach. We remain positive and supportive. When we discuss with our children their behavior, it really is essential that we're clear and consistent. If children get mixed messages about what's expected or required of them, the learning process takes much longer and it's really frustrating for all. So being consistent is very important between two parents of the child, whether we're in a two-parent household or a co-parenting relationship. So how do we fix the behavior problems? Solving behavior problems is extremely effective when we use child-led play. And it's a practical and effective-based strategy that really strengthens the relationship between a parent and child while giving the child an open and supportive place to discuss what has happened. And that's when we teach, learn and guide. Now, there is a previous episode of this podcast where I discussed how you can address specific behavior problems with child-led play. So if you haven't listened to it, then it's a must to go back to scroll through and find the episode. Now, it's important to remember that we cannot fix a behavior in the moment, like when everybody, be it parent or child, is stressed. Because when we or our child is stressed, the body is in a state of fight or flight. And this is the physiological stress response. And in this state, a child cannot learn about what we're trying to teach them about emotions, how to respond to difficult situations, how not to act or how to act. So in order to take this information on, they must be calm first. So responding to behavior should always happen after the event. Only when everyone is calm should teaching and any discussion take place. 
Now, aiming to improve our child's behavior is not a bad thing. It's not something that we as parents should feel guilty about doing. You know, every child will have bad behavior, but that's all it is behavior. A child having a tantrum is not a bad child. They are just having a severe emotional reaction to a situation that they are unable to control. They are having a hard time. A child fighting with their sibling isn't trying to be mean or aggressive. They are just having difficulty working out how to play or be together cooperatively and are having an emotional reaction in response to how they are feeling. You know, the child who hits their mum because he got told he couldn't have ice cream for breakfast isn't trying to hurt her. He is feeling angry and frustrated and needs help and guidance to manage that emotion. Our children really won't learn emotional regulation and improve their behavior if we do not help them understand what they're feeling. So we must first work out the cause, the emotion behind the behavior, and then afterwards, only when everyone is calm, address the problematic behavior, talk it through and talk about strategies for managing it in the future. Now, if you would like to discuss your child's behavior with me and what the possible feelings are behind it, and we can do some brainstorming, then visit my website, you know, www.blissedoutmums.com.au and get in contact with me. It is possible to get to the bottom of your child's behavior. You know, use that insider knowledge as a mom, as a parent, and your wisdom combined with a little parenting detective work, and you will get things running more smoothly in your family and remember to subscribe and rate this podcast in itunes or wherever you have listened to it and please share it with any of your mum networks to help any mum out there who's suffering in silence while struggling with her child's behavior you know it is always a good time to support each other thank you for listening and i look forward to speaking to you in the next episode bye for now